I say, I, I pray that uh, give us the courage because sometimes the Spirit nudges and we don't do it. Sometimes we need the courage, not just the words, but the actual courage to stand and witness to a stranger. It's, it's hard. And sometimes it takes even more courage to witness to a family member. It's hard. People don't think it is, but oh, it is. It's one of those things we have to work on and polish. So Today, we're going to be talking about the transfiguration. Now, many of you know the transfiguration. We're going to look into it. Um, so I was reading the account of the transfiguration. And as I was reading through it, it seemed like the first time that I was seeing it. It wasn't, but it seemed like the first time because there was so much going on. I had not understood the majesty and the glory of it before. Three of the Gospels have the account of the transfiguration. But what I find interesting is that the Gospel of John does not mention the transfiguration, even though he was actually there. Now, Peter does mention it in 2 Peter, but John, in his gospel, does not. I would love to have heard it from John's point of view, because remember, in Jesus' ministry, John was a young man uh, from 17 to 24. The, the years are a little difficult to nail down, but he was a young man. I would have loved to have heard it from John's point of view, but we're not going to know this side of glory, why he didn't write of it, and what he would have said about it. So in reading the three accounts in the Gospels, and I did, I jumped, bounced back and forth between the three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, between reading the three accounts in the Gospels, many things struck me. But first, we're going to go to the scripture where the transfiguration prophecy was recorded. Many of you didn't know there was a prophecy about the transfiguration, did you? Deuteronomy 18.15 The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. The Lord God will raise up a prophet from the midst of thee. This is being written by Moses, Moses who's called the servants of God, 1,500 years before Christ. This verse is a prophecy of Jesus. The word prophet here in the King James is capitalized, meaning, they are speaking of Jesus, not a regular human prophet. Because when they speak of a prophet in the Bible, it's a lowercase p. But Jesus is the prophet, therefore it is capitalized. Hence, we know it is about him. Jesus, born to free God's people, born and hidden to avoid death from the reigning monarch, born and raised up, to deliver a people. Jesus was raised up from the midst of them. He was of the line of Judah, a son of David, born of a virgin to fulfill this prophecy and many, many, many others. He was, like Moses, raised up to a very specific purpose to set his people free. This prophet, Moses says, this prophet, the one to come, Jesus, the Israelites are going to hearken to, are going to listen to him, are going to hear him. And they will. Not just yet, but they will. So Luke 9.28, we're going to get into the transfiguration where we now see what's coming to pass from what Moses said. Or not, uh, yeah, like what Moses said. Uh, Luke 9.28. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings 
he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. He's always taking Peter, John, and James up there, isn't he? <laughs> and he prayed, and as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. His raiment was white and glistering. That's in the King James. Glistering. Not listering. Not glistening, but glistering. Now, as he prayed, his countenance and his raiment, his clothing, his very clothing, changed as he was in prayer. As he was in communion with the Spirit, as he was talking with the Father, this one time he changed for a reason. He was glistering. He was sparkling. What does that mean? It means he was shining from the inside out. The true nature of God was coming forth. He was not mirroring the glory of God as Moses did on the mount way back at the Ten Commandments. No. He was showing his true nature here. Jesus was getting to his God side on this mountain right in front of the disciples. He was glistering. He was shining from the inside out. He was communing with the Spirit. He was talking with God. And he was shining from the inside out. His true nature is coming through. His true glory, his true glory is shining on this mountain. Now, Mark, in his gospel, says Jesus' raiment was whiter than any fuller, somebody who was getting a close clean, what any fuller would have made it whiter than any bleach or chemical could have made it whiter than snow, if you will. I know it's a little cheesy, but it's true. Jesus' countenance and raiment became white and sparkling from the inside out and became whiter than anybody could have made it. Luke 9.30 And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias. Now here's Moses' cameo. Moses made the prophecy, the statement, way back 1,500 years ago. Now Moses shows up for it. Moses and Elijah appear. And they are there to specifically talk to Jesus about one thing and one thing only. They are there to lift him up. They are there to pick up his spirit. They are there to minister to him. Moses, the law, and Elijah, the prophet, appeared with Jesus, the high priest and king. Every office in the kingdom of God is now represented. And Jesus has fulfilled the law. He has fulfilled the prophets. He is prophet, priest, and king all in one. And this is part of that. Luke 9, 31. Let's go back to 9.30, just to set up 9.31. And behold, there talked with them two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Moses and Elias, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glory. Both Moses and Elijah on this earth talked with God in person. And here they are again, talking to God on earth, Jesus, in person. This is some serious stuff going on here. So why are they here? To specifically talk to him of his decease. Of the three synoptic gospels that mention this event, 
Only one mentions what they're talking about. They're talking about his decease. So now and then you, you stop and you think, well, Luke wasn't there. How did Luke know what the subject of the conversation was? Well, who was there? Peter. Peter was there. Peter was there in person. He was an eyewitness. Peter was in Rome or Jerusalem with Luke. This is where Luke got a lot of his information from Peter, from James, brother of John. Uh, Luke got a lot of his information from uh, James, the brother of John. John, uh, James, the son of Zebedee. He got all of his information from the apostles and disciples that were there. That's why this is a reliable first-hand account. So they are there specifically to talk to him of his decease. He got his information from Peter. Peter was there, and he knew firsthand what they were talking about. So Luke 9.32, But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. Just like when Jesus went up in the garden to pray, they were heavy with sleep. So when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. Now I found this extremely interesting. The wording here in the King James say they saw his glory. Not the glory of God. No, it is simply put that they saw his glory. Jesus in all his glory as God. That's what they saw. He was in his glory, whereas Moses and Elijah, if you notice the wording, appeared in glory. See what I'm saying? Moses and Elijah appeared in glory, but Jesus was in his glory. If this doesn't wake you up to what's going on on this mountain, there is something going on here that is 1,500 years in the making, and we are witnessing it through the pages of the living word, because it is alive. Jesus was not mirroring God's glory. Jesus was showing his glory as God. Moses and Elijah showed up in glory. Jesus was in his glory. He is God. The other thing that stands out, and this, this also was very interesting to me. We don't know how long Jesus and Moses and Elijah fellowshiped and talked for. We don't know. Why? The apostles were sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. And they rested. Yet, when they woke, they saw what was going on. They got a glimpse. And then God says, meeting over. Luke 9.33. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Elijah and Moses, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus... Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. Now Luke here says something very interesting. Not knowing what he said. Peter didn't know what he was talking about. He was not in his right mind. He was excited by the events. He was emotional. As Moses and Elijah departed from them, Peter speaks. As always, when Peter speaks, you hold your breath hoping it's the right thing. Peter, ever the unthinking, rashful one, in an emotional state, wants to build a tabernacle to all three. Because in Peter's world, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah are on an equal basis. Peter doesn't fully understand. He just confessed a couple days ago that Jesus is the Son of God, but he doesn't quite understand it. 
While they thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. The three guys, Peter, James, and John, feared as they entered into the cloud, as well you should, you don't know what's on the other side. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Now, let's go back to the thing in, in uh, Deuteronomy. It says they are going to hearken to him. They are going to listen to him. They are going to hear him. Hearken to is an archaic term for listen to. And here, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Listen to him. God says, this is my son. Listen to him. Hearken to him. Peter, James, and John have seen the glory of Jesus. They have heard the voice of God, and they are sorely troubled by it all, as most of us would be. They have been most blessed to see Christ coming in all his glory. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. Jesus told them, don't say anything about it. They didn't. They kept it close. They told no man. So we're going to jump over to Mark. We're going to finish the account there. Mark 9, 9. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen, till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. Jesus is telling them, this is, he's prophesying his death. Prophet, remember, he is prophet, priest, and king. He's prophesying his death. And they kept saying, they kept that saying within themselves, questioning one with another what the rising from the dead should mean. He keeps telling them he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to die, they don't understand it. He keeps telling them he's going to come back from the dead, they don't understand it. Remember, there's a veil. God is keeping some of this from their understanding, so it's not necessarily them not getting it. Both Mark and Luke agree that they kept what happened on that mountain to themselves. Mark and Luke agree on that. But, and this is supposition, merely supposition on my part, but when Jesus was raised, when Jesus was resurrected, and they saw him in Jerusalem, they saw him in that crowded room, when they saw him, do you think they didn't talk amongst themselves about all the things that had happened? And you can bet that they told all the others everything they saw. And now that their tongues were loose, their eyes were open, and they were able to speak about it. You can bet they were out telling everybody, we saw this coming. We know he is the Son of God. And now that he's resurrected from the dead, we're going to tell everybody about this man named Jesus. They spread the account. They spread the account of the transfiguration. I don't bet you they did. But... Here's the thing. They were eyewitness accounts, and they were telling it to everybody who could hear it. And they asked him, saying, we're back to them talking to Jesus. They asked him, saying, why say the scribes that Elias must first come? They just saw Elias, so they're talking about uh, the, the, the scribes prophesying that Elias, or reading this prophecy saying that Elias must come before the Messiah comes. Why say the scribes that Elias was first come and Jesus? And he answered and told them, Elias verily come first, cometh first, and restoreth all things. 
and how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be said in none. But I say unto you that Elias is indeed come, and they have done unto him whatsoever they listed, as it is written of him. Elias must first come, that is the messenger must come before the Messiah. The forerunner must come before the Messiah. John the Baptist was the Elias they were looking for. The scribes, the Pharisees, Herod, the wise men. John the Baptist was the messenger they were looking for, but they never saw him for what he was. Just as Jesus was the Messiah they were looking for, yet they never saw him for who he was. Even today, people are missing Jesus in all his glory, right in front of them, and they're missing him. Now, I told you John did not write of the account of the transfiguration. But Peter, he attests to it, as, as does Mark and Luke and Matthew. Matthew was a disciple. He was a companion of those that were there. Luke was a doctor. He was a companion of those that were there. Mark traveled with Paul. He was in Jerusalem. He was a companion to those that were there. So how many witnesses do we have in the account right there? Four, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, Peter. Four we have that have wrote of this. Four accounts that we have of the transfiguration that had happened. Four witnesses. In the Old Testament, what's it say? It says you must have, in the presence of two or three, is a thing true. In the Old Testament, in the presence of two or three, we have four. Four different accounts. We know that it happened. So let's go to 2 Peter 1.16. Because Peter, he's about to die. And he's going to say some things. 2 Peter 1.16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter is telling you right now, I was there, it happened, it's true. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. This isn't at the river because he was in the mountain. The only time God spoke to him in the mountain was at the transfiguration. He heard, Peter heard, the voice of God speak of the Son, Jesus, and Peter, even now, just before he death, when he knows he's going to die for his testimony and the words he preaches, he knows, he remembers, and not only does he remember, he validates everything that happened before when he's facing certain death. Peter never recanted after the trials. Peter never recanted after Jesus rose from the dead. Peter stayed faithful and true. He's attesting to the validity of these accounts. Not of fables or of myth, but eyewitness accounts. Peter heard the very voice of God announce Jesus. On the holy mount, Peter confirms the events of the transfiguration. Mark, Matthew, Luke, all speak of it. Four books, all wrote at different times, by different men, from different points of view, but all true. For the law says, 
For something to be true, it must be attested to by two or three. One person does not make it true, but you've got to have two or three witnesses. In the Bible, we have four that attest to the validity. One of them, Peter, was actually there and is about to die for his belief in what happened. His belief in Jesus, the Son of God. How many people have seen Jesus in the Holy Bible, in all his majesty, in all his glory, and they don't know who he is? They're still missing him today. The account of the transfiguration shows Jesus in all of his majesty. We have four people who tell us about it. That tells us Jesus is God. Jesus is the Savior. Also tells us everything in this book is true. 